Hello, everybody. This is Marshall Poe. I'm the editor of the New Books Network. NBN listeners like to read books and buy them. So we thought we'd tell you that right now, our friends at Princeton University Press are having a remarkable site-wide sale. You can get 50% off books, including ebooks and audiobooks, with the code 50, F-I-F-T-Y, at checkout until May 31. You can save some real money on Princeton University Press books. I encourage you to go there and check it out. Welcome to the New Books Network. Hello. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the show, Shelly R. Johannes or Johannes. Whatever. It, it, Johannes. It's in the States, Johannes. It's Johannes, and everywhere else in the, uh, in the cultured world, it would be Johannes. I know. That's weird. I don't know why that is. I should ask my parents that because everyone asks me that. Everyone says Johannes. Yeah. You can be Johannes for today. Okay. Thank you. And I met you four minutes ago, and already yes. I'm deeply in awe oh. of your ca- character. Um, We're already almost, buddies. Yeah, and, 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 and to the extent that, but I'm not going to be your dinosaur pet. I want to make that clear. Okay. Um, I, um, I should say, because I always forget, that you are watching and listening to the Children's Literature Channel of the New Books Network, hosted by me, and I am Mel Rosenberg, and I have a wonderful guest today, a very prolific writer, Shelley Johannes, with an R in the middle. The R stands yes. for? Renee. <laughs> Renee. I almost said Regal, but that probably wouldn't be as good. <laughs> okay, and and um, you can make it easy for me. Just tell me all about your life. Start at the beginning. And when well, I raise my hand, I want to ask you a question. Okay, I was born I'm, in I'm St. joking, Louis. though. <laughs> um I you know didn't start out to be a writer so I actually have a master's in marketing and spent a lot of time in corporate America so I did not come up through the traditional world of publishing or wanting to be a writer I always love to write but um we're we're, we're back we started at the age of zero oh zero unless you were a child prodigy and went to university at the age of three I did yourself here I did um, no, I, knew I was reincarnated at the age of 20. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. So yeah, I mean, I grew up in, um, Vero beach, Florida. I was born in St. Louis, Missouri. And, um, we, I, I moved around a lot cause my dad worked for, uh, he's an aerospace engineer. So he worked for Boeing and, um, a lot of different aerospace engineer companies, Lockheed. And we ended up, um, in Atlanta when I was in middle school and I'm back in Atlanta, but I've lived really all over the Southeast. Um, I went to UGA for my undergrad, didn't know what I wanted to major in. So I remember talking to my dad saying, I I just have no idea what to major in. And he said, well, I heard estate planning made tons of money. I was like, okay. So I have an undergrad degree in estate planning and risk management. (laughs) You can learn that in university? Yes, somehow. So uh, I graduated and worked with an annuity company for a year and was like, no, this is not what I want to do. So I decided to go back to school and I went back to Auburn University and got my master's in marketing and organizational communications. Okay. Yep. That's the beginning. Okay. But we have to go back now because you write for two audiences. I do. You have a split personality. You write these charming uh, picture books, which we're going to talk about mostly today. Yes. And you also write for teenagers. I do. I have two. So, yes. I so actually you're, write, you're, I always say I write zero to 18 because I've got chapter books coming out. I'm working on a middle grade. So I'm trying to 
have domination of 18 and under. Uh-huh. You want to have all genres. You want to have your own library. Yes. Nothing wrong with that. <laughs> um, but you know, I, on my show, I like to ask authors at what age they are stuck because I have this theory that picture book writers are stuck at the age of five. I certainly am. Uh, but you seem to be multi-stuck. I am multi-stuck. I have a light side and a dark side, I think is probably what I would, I would look at it. So I've got this light kind of fluffy fairy side where for Halloween, I'll wear fairy wings and glitter on my face and, you know, tell my kids stories about unicorns. And then I have this really dark side that is obsessed with true crime and murder and everything suspicious. And I have my, I have a certification in private investigation. So that's kind of my other side. So those sides battle often and frequently. And as a, and as a young child, which child, as a young had, child did which, I have, which, which uh, character had the upper hand <laughs> which character or the, the or the, or the upper claw. The upper claw. Um, well, in front of my parents, it was the light fairy side. <laughs> Away from my parents, it might have been the darker side. Okay. And you, as a kid, you were like? As a kid, I was very curious. Um, I think I was a little bit, this sounds stupid, but I was a little bit beyond my years. Like, I think I was thinking about things that were bigger than what other kids were thinking about, um, like space and, you know, animals like conservation, things like that. I do remember, I was telling my husband this the other night. I do remember the Adam Walsh case was close to my city. I lived in Vero Beach and that was closer to Fort Pierce in Florida. So I do remember being younger and hearing a lot about Adam Walsh, um, you know, his son being kidnapped. And that was like a very big topic in our town because we were such a small town and it happened so close. So I almost wonder if that kind of put that true crime little bug inside but I was always investigating and kind of looking for things and wondering about things and and yet with all this interest in animal conservation uh engineering uh you're a techie but you didn't study science in university I did not nor nor engineering perhaps writing nor perhaps to the chagrin of daddy the annuities I studied annuities <laughs> Yeah, you know, we can't really say that on the air annuities. No, we can't. It sounds like something else. Okay. okay. Um, But uh, now let's uh, go to your uh, writing career. Yes. Well, I do remember when I was in fourth grade, um, there was a state contest in Florida and it was a nutrition contest. And I remember my teacher, Miss Crawford, saying, if anyone would like to join, you have to write an essay about nutrition. And I remember going to her saying, I don't really want to write an essay, but I have a book idea. And she was like, that's fine. I mean, it says essay, but if you want to write a book, write a book. So I wrote a picture book called The Smart Cookie. And it was about a cookie who didn't eat right and was kind of on a journey to nutrition. And I won that contest. You won the state contest. I won the state contest. Yeah. They, they Um, They accepted cookies. They accepted cookies and, you know, I thought outside of the box. So it stuck out in a pile of outside of I stuff outside of the Oreo yes. box. Yes. Well done. Yeah. And so I that that was kind of my first time I remember being recognized for writing. So I've always loved to write recognized some, on a state level on a state level. Yeah. And I have a picture of me folding the state flag like at, at the Capitol. So um, 
it was a big deal. And I was in the newspaper, you know, back when newspapers were important <laughs> and you could, my mom had all the clippings out. So that was a, a great, a great recognition. But for some reason, I, I never really saw that as a path. I think kids now see being an author as a path or being a writer as a path. But I think when I was younger, I didn't even know an, an author really was a person. Like, I just thought books appeared, you know what I'm saying? Like, it was like a stork. It was like a book stork. <laughs> they just appeared. No one really talked about the authors. Amazing. Yeah. A, a, a kind of immaculate conception, almost a misconception. Um, so then fast yeah. forward, when I was in marketing and organizational communications, I was doing a lot of marketing and creative writing around, you know, selling a product and coming up with the benefits of that product and looking for target audiences. And so I spent a lot of time with agencies and, and companies and people doing this creative work. And um, when my daughter was born, I always say she sat on something inside of me because it was 2004 and I was working as an SVP with Bank of America in their um, credit card services department in marketing and communications. And they gave me six months of maternity leave. So I took that. that so you had, you had a senior position. Yes. I worked my way up through corporate America. I was, I was a great ladder climber. You clawed your claws, way up. So it's claws again. Um, and I had six months off and was, and they were like, you are not allowed to log in. Like when you have six months off, you have six months off. And so I kept getting my hand slapped because I would check my email and, you know, but then I got an idea for a book. Um, I traveled overseas with my husband and there was this little shop called the broken winged fairy. And I was like, that would be a cute book. Um, so I came back and I literally just started writing and it was right around the time when Harry Potter was big. So I, of course, my goal was to be the next Harry Potter. So you sat in a coffee shop in Edinburgh. No, I came back home and sat in my room in between naps <laughs> schedules for my daughter when she was a baby and and started writing a book and that's when I met Harold yeah so we're Our shouting out to Harold Underdown Harold Underdown if you're listening Harold and you we should be you. he's yes. kind of busy but we love him yes. he's got this cane press thing going we love you anyway Harold yeah. <laughs> so I okay. met up with Harold and he was actually an editor on that book and that book never sold it made it to acquisitions but it never sold but whoa, I always whoa 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 how yeah. did you meet Harold? How do you get into the industry? How did you? I this think is all, this I, is I all found... interesting to my audience. Okay, that's great. I find I I feel like I'm boring, but that's good. Um, so I joined SCBWI, okay. the, the Society for Children's Book Writers and Illustrators, in 2005. Wow. So I credit everything to that organization. Um, so that's where I met Harold. He ended up coming to a conference here in Atlanta. And I pulled, asked him if he wanted to have coffee. He's so, he, I love him. He's so nice. I mean, he's just so approachable, right? He just, he's just, he just went, I just went up to him and say, hi, I'm Shelly. Johannes no, actually, or Johannes. I think I like emailed to have coffee him. with me? I think I emailed him ahead of time and said, hi, Harold, I'm going to the conference. I don't think I knew if that was a bad thing or a good thing back then. Like, I don't know if I knew pro right appropriate protocol. I think I was just like, hi, I'm going to be at the conference. Would you like to be for coffee? And he was like, sure. So we met for coffee and he ended up helping me on this book. So He's I'm still a wonderful guy. So, so you're in debt to Harold, as many of us are, including me. Yes. That's wonderful. So he helped you edit this. Yes. 
And it was what? It was a middle grade. It was what? It was a middle grade. I'll show you. It was a middle grade uh, novel. Shelly, show everybody. I'm going to show everybody. So this is the manuscript that Harold sent back to me. So it still has Harold's notes in it. Yeah. Incredible. Yeah. So it never, never, it never went anywhere. So he's got all of his little notes and comments on the side. Um, and this obviously it was all paper back then. So I still have this big old file that I've kept. Incredible. So then when you finished editing it and Harold helped you, uh, what did you do with it? I sent, I sent postcards out <laughs> to agents and editors. And um, I believe it, uh, and it went to acquisitions. I can't remember the, the, the group that it went to. And the, like, here's a note right here. It says, don't overdo this. <laughs> that's, that's his only note on that page. <laughs> um, I, I seem to remember it being Margaret Elderby, but don't quote me on that. But that name always sticks out to me. I'd have to look through my file who wrote me a very nice letter and offered to do non-contractual revisions um, and that her editorial team loved the idea, but that they felt like there were some issues. And at the time I did not know that was a thing. So I was kind of like, no, I don't think so. <laughs> that was it. <laughs> so and then I, got, so, I got rejected every place else. And so your, your wings were broken. My wings were broken. You were despondent and dejected. No, I don't. Well, no. I don't think so. I'm kind of, I'm super persistent. So I think I was just like, well, on to the next thing. Okay. And the next thing was? The next thing were my thrillers, um, my young adult thrillers. And um, so it's the Nature of Grace series. And I really was, I, I really love that series. And I ended up getting an agent. It was Alyssa Hinken, who at that time was with Trident. And she is now with Birch Path. And she's amazing. I highly recommend her. Um and she was my agent. I had the YA book and I had a let's, middle. Let's, let's get her on the show. <laughs> yeah. She's not my agent now, but she's an amazing agent and she's with Birch Path. So I think she's now started her own kind of boutique agency so that she can focus really on the things that she loves since Trident's so big. Um, I actually just conversed with her in the last few weeks. So um, even better reason to get her on the show. Yeah. She's, she's great. Um, and I believe she used to be an editor. So she has kind of that dual hat perspective. Um, so we worked on two books. We worked on a middle grade book, um, which was called On the Bright Side. And it was right in the time where angels were really big. And, but they were big in YA. So I had a middle grade angel book. And uh, that, that was such a hard, that was a dejected process. I think it went to acquisitions at three different places. It didn't quite make it over the top. Oh, okay. um, so it just was, it got so close so many times. That was a tough one. Um, and uh, talk about, talk about your smashing breakthrough. Well, then like I left uh, Alyssa and I parted after we worked on a YA because she really felt like I should stay in middle grade and younger books, oddly. Mm -hmm. And I was like, no, I need to go dark. You know, I don't, this didn't sell. So I need to go darker. So we parted ways amicably Um and I self-published. So I went on a road of self-publishing for about five years and left traditional publishing. I was so discouraged after that middle grade didn't sell. So I went into self-publishing and it was very, I mean, I think I sold 250,000 eBooks. Like it was right at the time where self-publishing was really big, but it really had a big stigma to it. You know, I don't know if you remember, it was right around 2010-ish. Um, 
And you so, sold two hundred and fifty thousand ebooks. I told I sold two hundred fifty thousand ebooks of that series. That's incredible. It was crazy. Yeah, so it was you're like supporting the, the it family. Was number one Amazon, you know, release. It was um, one of, listed as one of the best, you know, books of the year, like in those top one hundred. It was that, amazing. That is not in your biography. No, it's not. It should be. Yeah, you know, yeah. Uh, the, uh, the average author who self-publishes on Amazon sells less than 40 ebooks. Yeah. So you're you're doing quite well in that area. So you self-published five books. Ebooks, five ebooks on Amazon. Yep. Incredible that you were able to sell them, market them, and I don't know what else. That's wonderful. Yeah, I made the covers. I hired a photographer. I used all my marketing experience. It was so fun. I love it. I'm going to get back into self-publishing, but um, I just loved the process. I loved the ownership. I love. I think I think you should have your own publishing house. Yeah, I should publish everyone's books that I. Yeah, we'll talk about that. Okay. Johannes Publishing. (laughs) Johannes, I I thought maybe Rosenberg and Johannes published. Oh, okay, Rosenberg. They. That sounds pretty good. I mean, you took you take two big names like that and put them together. It's it. We already sound like we're a it, big it, publishing house. It, and it sounds very old European. Yes. Which is everyone would be like, oh, let's go back to the old school stuff. And then we'll get like this emblem from the 1600s or something. Yeah. Yeah. OK, so um, let's. Uh, so that was an ebook breakthrough. And then what happened? This is incredible. Yeah. You keep surprising me in good ways. Yes. So then what happened is I ended up self-publishing five books. My Nature of Grace series did great. My other two books did not. Um, I published a book called Rewired that didn't quite hit the market. It was a technology thriller. And then I made a big mistake in publishing my lovely angel middle grade book that didn't make it. And, you know, that, um, that went to acquisitions and middle grade just does not sell well in self-publishing. And I could really kick myself because I really feel like that book is still viable. It's it's one of, it's my favorite book of the ones I've done and I've already self-published it, but it only sold like 50 copies. I mean, that one was just not worth even publishing at all, but I still loved the process as I was going through it. Um, so Shelley, then part, I was at- it's part, it's part, it's part, it's something called life. Yeah. Keep going. So then I was at a conference in Atlanta called the Atlanta Writers Conference and, um, I noticed that there was a digital manager who was coming. And so I signed up for a pitch and a critique um, with a couple of different agents. Um, Her name was Laura Perkins and she was with Andrea Brown Literary Agency. At that time, she was a digital manager. She was not an agent. She was um, doing a lot of the digital work for Laura Rennert's team and Barry Eisler um, and, and really launching that. So I think she really... At that time, there was a stigma around self-publishing. So I don't think that I had a lot of credibility at that time, but she really got what I did because she was doing it. And um, at that conference, I won best pitch and best first chapter. Wow. And so she said, I may start agenting soon. You know, I'll keep you in mind. Um. And then so about six months later, she contacted me and said, hey, that book that you pitched, um, are you still working on it? And at that time, I was a little disgruntled with the traditional side of of the industry. So I wasn't looking for an agent. Um, I was just looking for feedback. And so she and I talked about, um, 
it was actually their book rewired. So I think I self-published four books before I met her and then rewired. I, I went on with her as an agent and rewired did not sell, which was my YA technology thriller. And then I self-published it. So she was really good about letting me self-publish while I gave her traditional books to work on. Yeah, she's amazing. Uh, you're amazing. Oh, thank you. So listen, we are going to have to have a whole, like uh, people say, a whole nother session. Oh, okay. On the uh, self-publishing, uh, traditional publishing conundrum. Yes, uh, hybrid authors. It intrigues me. Yeah. And you've been in both places with the phenomenal success. Um, and and failure. About... <laughs> I mean, I've, I've experienced success and failure oh. on both sides. So I kind of know what the challenges are as well. You, you can't have one without the other. Yeah. I'm going to start singing in a minute. Uh-oh. It's like love and marriage. <laughs> you know? <laughs> love and marriage. Love. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, it's a definitely, I definitely consider myself a hybrid author. I mean, I have projects I would like to self-publish. I just haven't had a chance to get back to them yet. Incredible. Um, so, but, but uh, let, let's, we'll have another whole session on that. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about uh, you and your success in picture books. Yes. Uh, was, was that your traditional publishing breakthrough? It was. So why don't you tell us about that? Yeah. So one day I was in my kitchen and my daughter, my daughter loves science. And um, I was writing YA at the time, had no concept of no, no thinking about picture books at all. Like I had no idea that picture books would be for me. As I mentioned, Alyssa and I parted because I wanted to go dark. She wanted me to go light. Um, and my daughter was going to science camp and she said, is, you know, science camp's coming up. And I said, are you excited? Like you've gone to science camp every year. Are you excited? What are you going to do? And she said, no, I, I don't think I'm excited this year because I think science is for boys. And I thought, wait, what? And she said, yeah. And just to keep, give you some perspective, my husband has a PhD in topography and an undergrad degree in geology. So he, he worked for imaging companies I am very big in conservation. In fact, we met volunteering at the Atlanta Zoo. So we are a science family. We are. Uh, did, did he go ape over you? <laughs> he did. He went ape. That was a okay. good one. Sorry, that was sorry. good, Belle. That was good. Why, I'm do I why, why do I love your writing? That was, that was a good. I'm going to keep that in mind. Okay. Yeah. I'm going to keep okay. that pun in mind. Okay. I always say that you know, I rescued him <laughs> like this, but, but yours is funnier. I like yours better. Okay. Yeah. Um, and so I just, it bothered me. I couldn't understand how a child, this was 2013. Um, so she was nine. So I could not understand how a child who had grown up in a science family, who I know her science teachers weren't saying that, who loved science club, loved science camp. She's the girl that when girls were putting on princess dresses, she was outside looking for earthworms. I don't, I couldn't understand. And she loved um, uh, Magic School Bus. Like that was one of her favorite shows. I couldn't understand how kids can go from loving something to being so influenced by something that they have decided that all of a sudden they don't love it. It's not even like it was waning. It was like, I loved it. And now I don't because it's for boys. So that scared me really. Like, where does that come from? That still is my rhetorical question. Like, 
osmosis? Like, how do they get these messages? Well, Shelly, in a sense, um, and I don't want to butt in, I don't know that much about your life, but uh, you you had the same track, dear. You started out loving science and then went into something entirely different. Yeah. Yeah, but that's because I think my Just parents, saying. I think my parents really focused on kind of, you know, me being independent woman, having money. Like, I don't think they focused on passions and interests. We were very focused on passions and interests and science. And so to go that opposite way was shocking. So, so you said, I'm going to, I'm going to show you that science is interesting. Yes. So I immediately had this image of a little girl that had her hands on her hips and said, what science is not for boys. And so I thought, I wonder if I could write a book about science. At the time, we were reading Fancy Nancy, Pinkalicious, um, you know, Junie B. And I thought, what if I take Fancy Nancy and make it science? And so I tried to do that. So I talked to my agent. She's like, you know, you can try it. So I studied how to do picture books. I read how to do picture books. I probably talked to Harold at some point. I mean, you know, I went through the whole process and I could not get it right. Um in the meantime, my best friend, Kimberly Durding, who is also a dark YA author, uh, she's the author of the Body Finder series and The Taking, she studied biology in school. And when I was telling her the story, she was like, my daughter said the same thing at that same age. That's so weird. And I said, well, do you want to write this book together? And she was like, sure. So at the time, we were both with Andrea Brown Literary Agency. So we went to our agents and said, we're going to write a picture book. And they're like, but you're dark YA authors. And we're like, yeah, I know. We're going to write a picture book. And they're like, but you write young adult. And we're like, yeah, I know. We're going to write a picture book. And they're like, okay, let's see what you can do. So we wrote CC Love Science together. And, and that turned into a series. We turned it into a series. So CC Love Science went out on three rounds of submission. And we did not think it was going to sell. We had to rewrite it every round. So it was really three different stories. Um, in the third round, we met Virginia Duncan at Green Willow, and she preempted CC Love Science um, just right off the table. So came in with an offer, and she said to us, my daughter said the same thing when she was 10 or 11. And Virginia's daughter was the same age as my daughter. So I think that's kind of what grabbed her when she saw it. And, you know, she was like, we need to do a Fancy Nancy for science. So she picked Cece up and she's the one that created it into a series. Like she's the one that had the vision for that. Yeah. And now we have nine books in that series so far. Incredible. Well, yeah. you've just given me an idea. Oh, uh, I have to write Love something happens. about, you know, a, why what, boys don't love literature. Hmm. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Boys I'm don't not, like reading. Everybody says that. And when they talk about reluctant yeah. readers, they're usually talking about boys. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Do it. I'm gonna. I love it. I love it. We have it, we have it on tape. Yeah. It was your um, idea. Yeah. It's on tape. Copyrighted. Yeah. yeah. Patented. <laughs> okay. So, uh, but this show is about you. Um, I, I have, I, we're going to have to have three shows. Three. I, okay. May, and maybe you'll end up host, hosting the channel because you're, <laughs> much, so you're, much, much, you're much more fun than I am. Um, okay. <laughs> So, um, so CC was your breakthrough. CC was our breakthrough. Yeah. And, and now we're getting to your, to the subject of today's interview after yes. half an hour, which is Theothesaurus. 
Yes. And uh, we'll talk about the uh, engineering pig another time. And the show, uh, this is the brand new one, Theothesaurus and the Perfect Pet. Yep. And the original one, Theothesaurus and the Perfect. Uh, oh, Theothesaurus loves big words. Loves big words. Yep. So how many Theos are there? Two. There's two. And the second one just launched this summer. Yes. Within a week of the pig. Yes. The, yeah. It was Could a you, lot of things yeah. were pushed back because of COVID. And and I was that, happy because that, I had two books come out over COVID. And, and I struggled with those those books. Shelley, so. Please don't apologize. You know, yeah. uh, one in one in 5,000 writers gets a book deal. One in 50,000 writers gets multiple book deals and becomes as famous and uh, loved as you. No. So, uh, so, so let's um, sh let's show the uh, the pig one. We'll talk about it another time. Yeah, the pig one is Penny, the engineering tale of the of the fourth little pig that just came out in September. It's an engineering okay. book. Yes, and we'll talk about that. Um, it's a kind of a is it an homage to your to your engineering father? No, I don't know. It's like I have my STEM books that I do with Kim, and then I just have my funny kind of other light books that I do on on the side. So, Kim and I really love those STEM topics. But maybe I mean, yeah. I mean, I, about, I never thought about, about that. What, before. what about what about your mom? My it, mom it's, is. A, it, it's obvious to me that you're a daddy's girl. But say a few words about mommy. That's interesting. I'm not, I don't think I'm a daddy's girl at all. Like my my dad that, and I butt heads frequently. <laughs> that doesn't mean anything. Yeah, but um, no, my mom is a, a legal assistant um, and she's still working and my dad's retired. So, but they she must, loves to read. She's always loved to read. Her, our house was full of books. She always took us to they, the library. They must be super proud of you. Yes, they are. Do you have any other siblings that you wanted to kill when you were young? I have a sibling I still want to kill, even though he's older. And that is my younger brother who is two years younger. <laughs> And he is a amazing teacher in Harris County. Um, so as, as long as, as long as it's just in, in the planning stage, it's okay. Yes. It, it's always in the planning stage. Good. It's been okay. premeditated okay. now for about 50, 40 years. <laughs> <It's> a... <laughs> Another idea for a book. Okay. Yes. Uh, okay. So, but we move on. Let's, so let's, uh, the whole conversation was supposed to be with the Othosaurus. Oh, that's okay. I know. I love this conversation. It's good. Yeah, that's wonderful. Tell me about Theothesaurus. Theothesaurus came about one day. I was in the kitchen. <laughs> he was like, all my ideas are coming <laughs> in the kitchen, which is funny and, because and, I hate and, being and, in the and kitchen. And your daughter was going to go to dinosaur camp. <laughs> no, it's And I hate cooking too, so I'm rarely in the kitchen. So I don't know why this is all coming up in the kitchen. Maybe I should cook more. But I was in the kitchen and my son, this is my son, he was doing homework in the back. And my son um, has always loved big words and has always used big words, even when he was little, sometimes not in the right context. So we would be like, I don't know if that's what that means. And so we would constantly be telling him certain words and how to pronounce them. He would pronounce them, you know, oddly. So he yells from the back room as I'm cooking, um, what's another word for happy? And he is a kid who loves to impress his teachers. So he is always trying to like up the ante on his essays. So I said, I don't know, go, look, look at the thesaurus. And he's like, oh, what? And I was like, a thesaurus, because heaven forbid if any family got in the same room and had a discussion, we just yell through the house from room to room <laughs> because heaven forbid if we walk that extra you know, five steps. 
So I'm yelling and I said, a thesaurus. He's like, a what? And I said, a thesaurus, you know, as in the dinosaur, the saurus. And then I, I stopped, probably burnt the dinner mill and thought, I wonder if that's been done. I was like, surely that's been done. And so I left the dinner burning and went over and started Googling and it had not been done. I couldn't believe it. And I wrote it that week and sent it to my agent. How many uh, drafts did it go through? It went through a lot. Laura Perkins, she, she and I, um, she and I stopped working together in May and I have a different agent now, but the whole time we were working together over those 10 years, which was amazing. She is a very editorial agent. So we probably went through, I don't know, five, six, seven drafts before it even went out on submission. So I loved that about her. She was really kind of helping to focus, helping to hit the market. Here's what I think would be more sellable. So I love that she would take my creative ideas and help me figure out how to change them to be a little bit more sellable and marketable. And relevant. You're, you're twice divorced from your agents. I am. Interesting. Yeah. We, we'll talk about that next time. Yeah. Yeah. So I, um, I want to stay focused. Shelby. Yeah. Yeah. Let's stay focused for, for three yes. minutes. Okay. Okay. So Theo went through Theo went through a, a few revisions. Yes, many. And, and then it went on submission. And what happened? Went on submission. And my lovely editor, Liza Kaplan, fell in love with Theo. And she was at Philomel. And so she, <laughs> bought, she bought. So Lisa Kaplan yeah. from Philomel fell in love with, with Theo. Theo. <laughs> That's a new tongue twister. That's a mouthful. That's another book. Yeah. Yes. So she fell in love with. Theo and and the series and so they got um, two books. Yeah. yeah, and uh, um, well, I, I must tell you, as somebody who also has a a, a, a manuscript with big words out on submission, mm-hmm. um, that we're not the only people who have books out on thesauruses or thesaurusi uh, and big words. Yes. But there's something very delightful about your book. Could you want to show a few of the spreads? Uh, mention the wonderful illustrator. Yeah, the illustrator is Mike Moran. He's amazing. Um, and how cool was that that he got to come up with his own dinosaur? Like, we all want to do that, right? He just got to create um, Theo from scratch. And I don't know if you notice, but his the scales are like little books. Um, oh, and then wonderful. Yeah. And then he has a spine, right? So like the spine mm-hmm. of the book. So he really kind of put his little touch on it, made it made him blue. So he looked different from any other dinosaur. Um, what did you and, say at the beginning? Uh, I'm an open book. Yes, I'm an open book. I told you I was. I'll tell you yes. anything. So so was Theo. Theo's an open book. So what's so, Theo's problem? Theo's what, problem what's in the, the hero's first- journey. Yeah. In the first book, Theo's problem is that he's moving to a new school and no one understands a word he says. Um, And so he is, he goes through miscommunications, misunderstandings, misconceptions, and tries to figure out how to explain what a thesaurus is and how to communicate to make new friends. That's his, that's his first problem. His second problem in the new one is that he wants a pet and he finds a, he finds an animal and the, the animal does not listen to him. And so he tries to figure out how to train the animal um, in different ways because the animal is not listening to what he is telling him to do. Mm-hmm. And of course, there's a much stronger metaphor there. Uh, yes, about not being heard. <laughs> not yeah. being heard, not being understood. Yep. 
yeah talking not talking yeah talking to your pet as if they can understand well just feeling like you're going through life and and not being fully understood for who you are and you know kind of at first they he gets a little bit ridiculed you know they're kind of like we don't know what you're talking about um and yeah, how, how did you choose a saber-toothed tiger to be his pet i was kind of worried that your dark side would come out and that the at the end of the book there would be just a bunch of bones instead of theo you know what's funny is that the my kirkus review i can't remember what the the <laughs> mentioned something about that and said i hope fang has a you know a good fate because i think at the end i'm trying to figure out oh because right they said because it looks like there's um kind of a prophecy happening the fact that the dad's tie is the same color as the saber tooth tiger skin i was like i never noticed that <laughs> but i thought that was funny because she was like hopefully he, you know hopefully fang lives at the end <laughs> uh, do you have a third book uh, in the works no there's not a third book in the works um liza kaplan has left as an editor um to for to be a mom and and focus on kind of her personal life. So I'm not sure what's going to happen with Theo now. Um, it's it's always hard when your book gets orphaned and you lose that one person who really loved it and was behind it and had the passion for it. So um, I have a an, another editor uh, who's amazing. So we'll see. I mean, I have given them a proposal. So I think right now we're waiting just to see how the books do since the last second one just came out. And you have words there that I like, like Fibberty Gibbet. Yes. And... Uh... And part of supercalifragilistic. Yes. Were the were the publishers worried to put the whole word in? I think so. Did they did they only put half of it in? I didn't. I don't even know if I know. As far that. as I re, as far as I remember. Oh, I don't know. The, 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 maybe the, maybe it didn't the, fit on the page. <laughs> it's a long word. Yeah, it is a long word. Yeah. I was I, I was actually afraid to put it into my submission. Um, you know, you never know when when uh, you get you're going to get a letter from Disney. Um, even though uh, mm-hmm. they fought in court to maintain that it's not their original word. Oh, okay. I didn't know that either. That's good. It's a very, very interesting word. Yeah. Um, good information. So, yeah. And uh, so what do you have now uh, in the works? In the works. Um, so we have two more love science books coming out. Um, hopefully more. Um, but two more I can read. The I can reads are doing really well. Um, so we've got one coming out this January and then the next January. Um, we, Kim and I just sold a chapter book series with capstone that has not been announced yet. Um, but it does have a thread of science and I, um, just finished, um, I was, I was brought in to write the new Chelsea Clinton. She persisted. Yes. I'm waiting for you to say that. On Florence Nightingale I, I, that comes I, out I, in March. I built it up for you. Yes, thank you. Ta-da! Okay. It's incredible. Yes, I was very happy about that. Yeah. And uh, and I think Michelle Knudsen also has one, and uh, she was on the show, if my memory yes. serves me correctly. Uh, and now you, and that's wonderful. Yes, I'm very tell, excited about that. That tell, was so fun. Tell... Um, so Florence Nightingale, t- tell us something about Florence Nightingale that we don't know. Oh gosh, uh, so Florence Nightingale was was super sassy. 
um, her mother really just wanted her to get married and she loved math and science. And so that became a battle um, her entire life. She loved animals as well. So she had over like 60 pets and um, she just wanted to be a nurse. She had a calling. She one day, you know, she got a calling from God that she was supposed to take care of people. And she really felt strongly about that mission. And even at the time, nurses were kind of seen as lower class citizens. Um, she didn't care. And they were a very wealthy kind of political family. And she pursued nursing against her family, um, which caused a lot of problems early on and, and later. This is going to be so much fun. Yeah, it's coming out in March, which is uh, National Health uh, Awareness Month. So incredible. Florence Nightingale was really responsible for the procedures we use today. The the call bell that she was responsible for that. She was responsible for, you know, washing hands, all the stuff that we use through COVID to stay safe, Um, changing bed linens, linens, keeping, you know, the sick away from the healthy, using masks, like all those sanitation and hygiene Mm-hmm. procedures that you have to you. give you have to give some credit to Semmelweis. yes That's all the credit goes to nightingale but that's fine right um so that's all wonderful um we're sort of running out of time but i'm actually happy because if you enjoyed yourself i'm going to have you back in a few months yes i would love to be back and um it, i'd like you to give some advice from from your stellar success yes uh to people who are listening and watching the show um, mm-hmm. on what is Shelly Johannes Johannes uh, secret for success in penmanship? Um, I don't know if it's there. There's I'll give you two things. One, one is I always try to write down my intention for a book before I start. Um, you know, what is my intention with this book? What is my heart? What is the heart of this book? Because I think sometimes we have that, that's what starts us. And then we lose it because we get stuck in the writing process or the critique process or the publishing world and the business side. And so we lose the intent. So I try to always make sure I have that intent. So that's my inspirational message. Um, my business message is I always try to make sure my books are relevant and marketable. And if I write a book that I love and my agent, I'm now with Laurel Simmons at the Ben agency. Um, if she gives me feedback and says, I feel like this is going to hit the market better. I will change it. I am not married to my books. I'm not a sellout. <laughs> like, I don't want to get, I don't want to give the impression I'm a sellout. That is not me. I'm definitely not a sellout. But I am open to understanding that publishing is a business. And I think that's really hard for creatives to think about. Um, So I write, I have a creative hat, inspiration and intention. And then I have a a business hat that I try to separate those two. Um, Okay. So this is a, to use a small word, a dichotomy. Yeah. At least for a writer like me. Okay. If I and I've tried to write a marketable book mm-hmm. turns out to be boring as hell. The only books that I write that are interesting are ones in which I ignore the world. So I'm not, I'm not going to succeed. No, you write first 
Don't even think about marketing. Don't even think about marketing. Ah, okay. You, you go, you write with your intention. Like, okay. you know, you stay with your intention so that you don't lose the intention. So you write with the intention, you finish it, you love it, you put all your passion into it. Then you have to really be open to that other side of those critiques, the agents, the feedback that comes in from editors and be willing to see that there might be some things that need to be tweaked, but you need to protect your intention. So for example, Theo, my first Theo, the story that is out is not the story they picked up. We went through that whole story, went to copy edits. And when it went to copy edits and marketing, marketing said, we feel like this needs to be a different story for it to be much more relevant in the market. We love Theo, we love the words, but we, instead of having it in, it was more of a, I'm a thesaurus. It was more of teaching someone about how to love words and how to pronounce words and how to find words. It became a story about Theo using those words. So I had to rewrite that entire book after copy edits. And so when my editor came to me and said, we talked with marketing and this is what we feel like would be more, I was like, okay, just like, let's do it. But the intention of the book is about a a boy who is misunderstood and is always trying to, he loves words and he's trying to communicate and fit in. So that intention was, was protected. Does that make sense? Yeah, it sure was. Uh, So uh, in closing today, uh, can you read a bit of your new book for the audience? Of the Theo book, the pet? Yes. Yeah. I always get nervous when I read these because I'm always afraid I'm going to mispronounce something. Theo loved big words, but not small ones. He was a sescapelian. A sescapelian means a lover of colossal words. Theo was also a zoophilist. A zoophilist is someone who loves animals. He loved creatures of all shapes and sizes, even ones with big teeth. And Theo really wanted a pet of his very own. He researched different species to find just the right fit. Plosaurus too wet, pterodactyl too high, T-Rex too rude. Theo was melancholy. That sets the beginning. It's wonderful. So we're not- I'll leave it on a cliffhanger. Yeah. Oh, oy vey. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You got to buy it to find out what happens. (laughs) Prehistoric. Yeah. Um, So listen, Shelly, this was marvelous. Um, Yes. Thank you so much for having me. I I wanted to meet you since I started reading about you. Great. We have so many common interests. We have the science uh, thing. Big words. And the big words thing and some things we haven't discovered yet. Yes. And um, I'm going to invite you back. Absolutely. I would love to come back. Very soon. Maybe. When is the Florence Nightingale coming out? March. It's and a it's done. a chapter book. That's what I'm telling you. I've done picture books, early readers, chapter books. Um, I just got to hit, I got to hit the middle grade. I've done nonfiction. I got to hit the middle grade and the YA. That's it. Like you have to cover dying. all the bases. Yep. Which we teach people not to do. Yes, that's true. I just follow my heart. It's whatever, it's wherever the story takes me. Which, which we teach people to do. Yep. So it's been incredible. Uh, Shelly R. Johannes. Yes. Wonderful, prolific and extremely successful and lovely a children's author. Oh, and thank you because I've I've actually never been asked about anything prior to my picture book. So I appreciate you digging in a little bit and getting some history of the full journey. In my prior life, I was a researcher. Mm, okay, so you like to dig in. Yeah. yeah. 
That's um, great. And, and uh, I'm Mel Rosenberg uh, for the Children's Literature Channel, the New Books Network, and run out and buy Shelley Johannes's books. There are many of them. Theothesaurus, there's two books out now, and uh, the new one on the uh, the pig who wanted Penny to keep the kosher. engineering tale. Mm-hmm. Okay, the, not the pig who wanted to keep kosher. No, <laughs> that, that would be an interesting book, though. <laughs> I'm going to write that pig. one. I'm yes, write that you one. got two books out of this this deal. I think I got more. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, okay. Uh, listen, this was great. Have to yes, say goodbye. it was so fun. Thanks so much, Bye. Shelley. Bye-bye. Bye.